Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Welcome to another podcast week. So honored that today's guest, Sarah Yost, is it Yost or Yost? Yost. Yost. Sarah said yes to me when I saw a comment she had made in um, a group we are in through Mutual Coaching School. She is a master certified coach, the same coach that I certified through, same coaching school. And she made a comment in the group about acceptance. And I thought, oh, that's what my audience needs to hear next. Like, we need to have a full conversation about what it means to accept the abortion or abortions in your past and your reproductive life choices and the decisions you've made and who you are, really, all the things acceptance. So, Sarah is actually, um, your business now is focused mostly on like business coaching, right? Your podcast is called Business Therapy. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So good. We'll link to all your stuff. Um, But it was really this expertise that I sensed from you in acceptance that that made me want to invite you onto the show and you so graciously accepted. And I'm excited to share this conversation with the listeners. So do you want to start just by introducing yourself, who you are, how you became a master certified coach, what that even means, anything you want to share about yourself. Sure. Uh, Well, my name is Sarah Yost, and I'm a master certified coach through the Life Coach School. been coaching for almost a decade, and I came to coaching from, um, I was a massage therapist for a long time, and a yoga Mm. teacher, and a meditation teacher, and I was just always looking for a better way to help my clients, and everything that I learned helped, but nothing really cut it the way that coaching did. So when Mm. I found coaching, I, I quit my bodywork practice pretty Mm. quickly and drove into coaching. So that's how I found coaching and that's why I'm still here. That's amazing. So 10 years ago, you didn't certify with Brooke 10 years ago, did you? Did you? I probably certified with her nine years ago. Oh, okay. I started, um, my first coaching certification is through Martha Beck. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I started Martha Beck 10 years ago and then, um, studied with Brooke kind of right after that. And then I was the first master class Uh, group of masters. Awesome. (laughs) Good. So you have lots of expertise to share with us. Um, and your practice now is focused, am I correct that it's focused mostly in business? Yeah, I help business yeah. owners, but I help them with their, when their emotional state is in the way of growing their business. Yeah. So Ugh. it's more emotional management than it is business strategy, but I find that to be the most important thing anyway, so. Good. We have so much to talk about then. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should just dive right in there. Um, but maybe first... Could you just share, like when I invited you to talk about acceptance on a podcast about abortion, 
mm-hmm. what came to your mind? Like what, what made you say yes? Like I have something to, to contribute to the abortion conversation around acceptance. Like maybe we'll, we'll start. Well, I think that I had an abortion when I was 17 mm-hmm. and acceptance is, is the thing that gave me freedom. I mm. tried you know, should I just tell you my story about? I would love to hear your story. <laughs> so, um, so I live in Wichita, Kansas, and in the early '90s, there was this guy named Randall Terry that came to town and started this huge thing called the Summer of Mercy. I think it was '91, and it was it was we had um, a late-term abortionist here named George Tiller who was shot. Mm, yeah church a few years ago yeah and um so so randall brought randall terry brought all of these people from all over the country to camp out on tiller's lawn and protest and there were these disgusting these trucks with disgusting images all over i mean it was just it was so dramatic and awful and and i tell you that story because i spent a lot of time go I was whatever 15 or 16 years mm. old and a lot of time going there and flipping the people off and arguing with them mm. I was I've always been super pro-choice mm. Don, after that happened Phil Donahue came to town and did a show and I went to the taping so I've always been pretty active pretty like mm. pro-choice and then um and also my periods were never regular so I routinely thought I was pregnant or routinely mm. pregnancy tests. And then I wasn't pregnant. And then I'd have my period and I'd get on with my life. And so another time I was late for my period, my boyfriend and I went to um, the clinic and I got a test and I was pregnant. I was totally shocked. I was 17. I was using a lot of drugs. I was drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was panicked and the first panic that I had was how I was going to pay for it. And I didn't want to tell my mom, not that my mom, there was any reason for me to not trust her. She took me to Planned Parenthood when I was 13 mm. to get control. Wow. Yeah. Like back, I have a 13 year old now. And I mean, how stressful that must've been. But that's, <laughs> the kind of, that's the kind of woman she is, you know? Yeah. She, so there was no reason for me not to trust her, but I just went into this like, hyper focused let's take care of this hmm. and um and she found out because we left the the paperwork in the floor of my boyfriend's car and his dad went to work on his car just randomly that day and mm-hmm. older so so my mom found out pretty quickly and so I had an abortion and it was so traumatic and scary and sad hmm. and I couldn't understand why because I was super pro-choice. There was no right. that this is what yeah. I was going to do. I didn't even yeah. consider keeping it. And um, and it was really difficult. It was one of the most difficult periods of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, I could talk, I could give you more details about that, but. Well, when you say periods of my life, are you talking like the next five years, the next so, 10 years? Like, what does that mean? Well, I mean, specifically, like when I was recovering from the okay. procedure, yeah. um, you know, I found out later, I wrote a story about this. I got a creative writing degree. And so I wrote a, a mm. piece about my abortion. I described what happened. And my teacher said, Sarah, that's not okay, what happened. And, and what happened is um, 
I watched, I watched it happen. I watched all the tissue go through the machine. Mm. It was incredibly traumatic. And Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know that that was abnormal or maybe should have been done differently. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was a good explanation. So I guess what I, I don't know why I mentioned that. Anyway, I'm specifically talking about the the physical recovery from the abortion. Okay. Yeah. I I was in a lot of pain. There was a ton of blood. I was surprised. I was super high. I mean, I just, you know, used as many drugs as I could. Mm -hmm. I didn't want my stepdad knowing and my mom kept that secret for me. And so I, I recovered in my boyfriend's um, like basement room. So it was like this, this tiny room with paneling on the walls where we, we got high. It was like this, I don't know, den of sin kind of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and so I'm like bloody and in pain and like just spending, you know, days in there. Um, So that it was a really, it was really scary. And I didn't understand it because what's the big deal. This is just a bumper sticker. This is just a political thing. Like, why is this? Yeah. What, you know, why is this so traumatic for me? Yeah. I, a few months back, somehow through Instagram, I was connected to this group of young teens. I think they were all teens. Mm. And they host these pro-life, pro-choice debates. Mm-hmm. And they just like host them over and over and over again. And I went and they watched just out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And it is so much what you're talking about where it's like the bumper sticker was what made me think of it, right? It's like just you were at 15, right? Kind of um, very much actively outwardly pro-choice. Right. But it was really just words and like, you know, you didn't describe them as memes then, but like, right. It was just like quotes and memes and words and like narrative that you heard and kind of thought made sense. And you're right. It does make sense, but it speaks so clearly to I think like, I think most adults are still in that stage. Like Mm -hmm. they're like to them, the abortion conversation is still bumper stickers and billboards and highway signs. Like Mm -hmm. it's not about real people and real experiences. Mm -hmm. And so how amazing that you are this young pro-choice teen. And then I can only imagine to face that actual emotional experience Mm -hmm. and go like oh (laughs) what is this yeah so what was that dynamic of healing for you around that like um that sort of just like dissonance right like the the two things happening at the same time like what how did you get through that like um well, I guess I just, you know, I, I recovered physically ultimately and, you know, I quit bleeding and quit being in pain and I just, I acted out a lot. You know, I fought with my boyfriend and I hyper-focused on paying our parents back and mm. he wasn't paying them back, his back, because they, they split the cost. He wasn't paying his back as quickly as I was and I made that mean he didn't care. I mean, I just like really kind of lost it emotionally and it was super angry. And so, so I just slowly, you know, I did a lot of that. And then I just slowly started focusing on other things, I guess. And then 
I got sober within the year. So mm-hmm. that, that was 92 and I was 17 and I got sober in spring of 93. It was my senior year of high school. And so part of being sober is you just, you know, I just tried to fix all the things that were bothering me. You know, I was trying mm. to become a new person and a whole person and, and my abortion stuck with me. And mm. um, I didn't understand why. I felt really sad. I couldn't let it go. I tried telling myself I'd done the right thing. I'd done the best I could. Like I tried inner child things. I tried releasing my child. I was on the swings. I did, you know, I just did lots of. This is as a young adult. Yeah. I mean, That's I so, amazing. So much yeah. <laughs> so, That's incredible. Yeah. And um, it was, I don't know how, how long it took me, a few years until I got some peace. And the way I got some peace. Yeah is I realized that I hadn't actually done the best I could. Actually. Wow. I, um, <laughs> that was not what I was expecting you to say. That was yeah, so good. Okay. I know some people might argue with me and, and you can say, well, you still did the best you could, whatever. The way that yeah. happened in my brain was like, this wasn't, this wasn't a sweet thing. What it was, was I couldn't stay sober for six more months. And I was afraid of the impacts of all of the drugs and alcohol that I'd been ingesting and the way I'd been living. I didn't know what it had done to this um, child. And I knew that I couldn't stay sober for six more months. And that's kind of an ugly truth. Like, oh, this isn't a bumper sticker. This isn't a teenage girl gets pregnant and can't keep it and needs to have choices. Although all that's true. This was drunk, can't stay sober. And seeing that truth, I was like, oh, okay. And I, and I totally relaxed. And um, that was the first significant freedom I got was actually telling myself what seemed to be the truth about this and that it really wasn't very pretty. Wow. Yeah. That's so, amazing. A- so when you say I realized I hadn't done the best I could, do you mean like as a teen before the pregnancy or like tell I guess I'm a little confused about that like what was that what do you mean you hadn't done the best yeah I've been trying to like tell myself really nice things about the abortion like of course you had an abortion like you were a teenager I see in any position to keep it and yes all that that self-talk was not the best the best was really just facing the reality right Gotcha. And that's the acceptance. Oh, this wasn't like a virtuous situation. This was like on the drugs and alcohol. So, uh, wow. Like the truth was literally freeing. Like I can feel that, that shift. Right. And that's so interesting because when you look at it on paper, of course, the thing that's more freeing is like, a woman's right to choose and your body and you shouldn't, you shouldn't right. have to have, carry a baby at 17 and like all the things, right? That looks so much more pretty and freeing. But the truth is like what was actually freeing was the actual truth. Right. I could not stay sober enough to carry a pregnancy on top of the fact that who knows what already happened. Right. Wow. So good. <laughs> now, I'm guessing at age 18 or 19, by, by the time this all occurred to you, 
Is that, is that what we're talking? You're still a young adult. Still really young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm guessing you didn't term it acceptance. Like you were, or did you? Were you like, huh, I've accepted. At that point, I just knew that I'd probably had experience in sobriety, like seeing some tough truths about myself and seeing that they were freedom. So I probably didn't think of it as acceptance. Mm. I thought of it in terms of the truths that knew free or whatever. Yeah. So So good. So how do you think, because I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would assume that very free very free, (laughs) very few teenagers who have an experience like this do that kind of processing work that early. I mean, yeah. So how do you think that affected like your twenties? Oh, like, I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Like I look at what I did at 17. I mean, for me to get sober and stay sober, it's really, really rare. Most, you know, some, some teenagers get sober for a while or they get a rehab or something, but most people don't get and stay sober. And I am still sober. I'm 45 years old. So I'm, you know, I'm at 27 years and I, it's remarkable to me. I just feel like, I don't know, there was like an opening in the ether and mm-hmm. I slipped in and most people probably see the opening in the ether and just take another drink and it doesn't open again for 10 more years. I don't know. It's like, when I, when I talk about or remember like what I was, what decisions I made at 17 and that I processed my abortion at 18 or 19 or whatever. And you, you know, I'm like, I know it's remarkable. I don't know. It's it's not like virtuous. It was just, just, thank God I did. Thank God I did. Yeah. Yeah. So can you just look back and imagine how life might have been, or do you ever look back and imagine how life might have been different had you not done that work of getting sober? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think that is most people's story. Yeah. I can't even. Yeah. And also, you know, a weird thing that happened afterwards was I wanted another baby with my Mm. boy. And he and I stayed together. We had a, you know, kind of long toxic relationship and, um, his brother had a baby around that time or, you know, afterwards and I wanted it. It was just like, it was so hard, Mm. really weird. And I so often look back and I, I'm like, Oh my God, thank God. I didn't have a baby right after that with him or that baby with him. I mean, I think he's still really struggling and has had a rough, go of it and and, uh, yeah I'm incredibly grateful yeah can you speak to that a little bit more that um because this I see as being very very common is that I'm not even sure what the word is but I'm going to use primal Mm -hmm. um desire to Mm -hmm. have another baby after an abortion that is so common do you can you remember and speak back to that or as a 45 year old looking back do you have any words to sort of help people understand that primal desire you know i had this weird just spiritual connection with this child and i want to be clear like all of the political statements that we've said are what i believe a woman has a right to yeah. choose it all the bumper sticker things are all true 
and and I still absolutely will fight for that and I had an experience that was deeper than that and while I believe that it's a fetus and a, and a tissue in in my connection I think of it as a child and I actually think about that child a lot I am um, a lot of time I have a son and two daughters and a lot of times I'll tell my son he's my favorite son and every time I do I feel mm. because I, I just got chills that child. <laughs> I believe that child was a boy and his name was Jeremy and mm. and so every time I tell my son and I just like give this like I don't know silent apology to him every mm-hmm. time I say it and so I, so something about that connection is why I wanted, I wanted it in the physical. I didn't know how to have a relationship spiritually or in my mind or whatever. Yeah. I never had anybody die. I didn't know anything about that. And I think it was just a desire to, to have that, that being in my arms, not that yes. I wanted family life. Not- so what we're really looking for and yearning for is the connection we're looking for the relationship yeah that spiritual being Mm -hmm. and so we think to have that relationship it must mean a different child a different fetus whatever but really what we're looking for is the connection right whoa (laughs) i mean this is very much my story and my experience i believe it was a ball of cells that had the potential to be life, but I also call it a baby and named her Grace and talked to her every day in like some kind of way, (laughs) like not literal conversations, but like, I believe she brought me this life and this work. And like, I definitely have a connection. And so I guess I've just never really had this conversation in this way where that yearning for another baby very much for many people is just probably a longing for connection with that with that maternal child relationship yeah so beautiful do you remember Um, when you named him um no i don't know yeah just came I also believe that we, you know, my belief is that we choose our, um, our parents and our path before we Mm -hmm. get here. And that's another thing that brings me a lot of peace is I really believe that that spirit chose my boyfriend and I to be, he chose this experience. And, um, which means that he knew that this would happen. So nothing went wrong. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) That is very much my story. I think that was actually like the thing that brought me the greatest relief was someone saying to me, oh no, that soul knew abortion was its journey the whole time. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? That's so amazing. Like I'm all in. (laughs) And that just felt so that I, I do think that was probably one of the most pivotal pieces of my shift was like oh this is how it was supposed to happen the whole time like this is this was the journey so I totally believe that with you yeah let's say because now you are on this path of um 
coaching and helping people, you know, live their purpose, live their truth through the work of coaching, right? So, or I assume you coach coaches, but maybe not. Maybe it's any business. Yeah. I also coach other business owners. Yeah. So any business owner, but you get the idea. It's like somebody has realized that starting a business is the next expression of like who they are in the world and they want to do the thing. Mm -hmm. But they're feeling like there's a piece of them, perhaps an abortion or an abortion or multiple abortions that they're still hiding and they still haven't faced and um, they still are making it mean things that don't serve their greatest good of their business being born. Right. So what might you say to a client like that about acceptance or about, okay, we'll bring it back to Sarah's three A's, which are Mm -hmm. awareness, acceptance, and action. Mm-hmm. So what might you say to um, someone listening who knows that they someday want to start a business or maybe already has a business that hasn't really bloomed in the way they're hoping? Mm-hmm. What might you say about this piece? You know, I wonder if um, you don't realize the impact that your abortion is having on your present day and what you make it mean and um, any secret that you have, whether it's small or large, is gonna eat away at your present. Yeah. Yeah, and so you need to find a witness, whether it's a coach or a friend, and make sure that all of it is out there, that all of it has been shared with another human. Yeah. And because you, that, oh, go ahead. If you find that you aren't able to let it go and you have talked about it, which can be really confusing, one of the things I found is that that means that there's either a piece of it that you haven't told, there's a piece of it that's still a piece of the story that's still a secret or a piece of the story that just hasn't been processed. And what that'll do is it'll just create a a hook so that you're not able to let it go. What might that feel like? Like, how might I know, oh, that, that makes sense. Like what, you know, I might have that hook. I might have that. What might that look like in my life? Well, maybe if you've told the story and it's still bothering you. Yeah, I guess it's that simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think it is about the speaking of the story to a witness versus just doing the processing work yourself? I don't know why. Humans are designed to um, work in community. Even yeah. humans don't like other humans. We need. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love that. Even humans that don't like other humans. Yeah, that's so good. No, I don't know what the magic is, yeah. but there is the yeah. magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is the speaking an opening of the just like awareness? It's like, let's put it on the table. It's sort of coming back to your story and like the truth, right? Like the tough truth is what set me free. Right. And my truth being witnessed will set me free. Right. 
Yeah. I had told plenty of people that I'd had an abortion. Everybody, yeah. you know, everybody in my group knew, everybody in my friend group knew, you know, yeah. it wasn't, um, that, that wasn't a secret, but what was happening inside of me was, it was so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like the only word I found to describe it is like, it's just complex. It is. It's really complex. You Not necessarily up- complicated. It's just complex. Well, there are a lot of things. You have to hold yeah. space for a lot of things within yourself. It's like, yeah. I believe it's a mass of cells and his name is Jeremy. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's pretty, like holding all of that is pretty tough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What would you describe acceptance feels like? Relief. It's like yeah. a complete letting go, like a... Uh, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always feel like acceptance is what makes room. Like it's like it's like a clearing of the junk. Like it right. makes room mm-hmm. for the next thing to bloom. Absolutely. Like the next pregnancy, the next business career, the next relationship, the next whatever. But like the acceptance like clears the space. Mm-hmm. It yeah. literally makes room. And there's no way to override acceptance. Like you can't go straight oh. awareness to taking a different action. You can't just like throw some positive thoughts on top of that shit. There's no way to override acceptance. Mm-mm. That's so important. Yeah, because I do think like that is what so many people have done and are doing with abortion. And it could be any other secret, like you mentioned earlier. But they're like, oh, I'll just pack it into this box and put it away and just like build on top of it. Right. Right. I'll just like build my foundation over it. Right. But now your foundation is on this like wobbly box. It's not a foundation. It's like, you can't just build on top of that. Right. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why it gave me peace, partly it was the truth and partly it was like, oh, well, I don't drink and drug anymore. And so I'm not, it's like, I'm not the woman who was in that situation. And so I won't have that experience again and knowing um knowing what part of me has to be different in order to not have it and then there are some other things that happen during that experience you know i i talked about um that that seeing the procedure happen is not okay and i didn't know that so i also can't be a young woman who lays there and takes it i also have to Mm. add all of that information gives me kind of things to work on, kind of yeah. things to transform. It's like, and, okay, I'm 45 years old, and if I got pregnant again, I would probably terminate. I do not want another baby. It is not right for me and my family and my relationship. So I don't mean that I literally wouldn't choose abortion again, but I'm not going to be that, that lost, drunk addicted, scared girl who lays there and takes it. I have to be an advocate. Mm. I have to be sober. I have to be strong yet vulnerable. 
So yeah, all and you're, you're speaking directly to the reason it's worth showing up to the work, right? Like it's, it, it's worth showing up to unpack this stuff in yourself so that you're never afraid you're going to be that person again. Because exactly. I think that's so much of the fear is like, if you, if you don't process around who you were, right. you think you're always going to be that person. Yeah. And if you hate any part of your past self, you know, I, one of the things that I practice and I've done this with, with my abortion journey is praying backwards, is praying for that oh. young girl on the table who was so scared and vulnerable. Yeah. I love that. You can pray forward and you can pray backwards because time is all whatever. It's all relative. Yeah, totally. Wow. So good. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Oh, I had one more question. I don't know if it's relevant, but it popped into my head when you were speaking earlier, when you did get pregnant again later, do you remember having to do some processing then or by then do you feel like you had done the work and your abortion didn't come into your actual pregnancies does that make sense yeah um it didn't have a lot it didn't really affect my pregnancy but you know what did is so I have a stepdaughter who um was born in 91 and I've had her since she was, I've known her since she was three. So she's, she's my, my girl. And then I have a 13 year old and I have a nine year old. After my 13 year old was born, we took a trip. Was it after? No, I was pregnant with her and we were in new Orleans and I consulted a psychic to see how many kids I was going to have. And she said four. And I spent years doing mental gymnastics about who counted as the four. Because maybe Jordan, my stepdaughter, is she one? Is Jeremy one? Like, are we talking about that came out of my womb completely? Like, I did all these middle gym. It like created this whole storyline in my head for years that I still have sometimes. And I, and I, I guess now we know because I have my stepdaughter, I have my 13 year old, my nine year old, and I have Jeremy. That's four. So yeah. that's, those are my four kids. Yeah. <laughs> but it did like, so no, the pregnancy didn't really do it, but this yeah. meeting with the psychic on the street did. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so good. Um, is there anything else you feel like someone out there listening needs to hear about your story or acceptance or awareness or abortion or anything? Any words that need to come from you to someone else? Um, yeah, actually two things are coming. One is, um, the power of being clean with this is my son and I, my nine-year-old and I were in the car last week and we were listening to a story on the moth and there was a 46 year old woman who got pregnant. And so my son asked me, she didn't have an abortion. She wasn't considering one in the story, but my son asked me about abortion and asked me if I had ever had one. And so I told him the truth. And he was just like, oh, and he asked me what kind I had had and how it worked. And that it was just very matter of fact. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I think that's the power of being really clean with it. Yeah. And um, 
so now his experience is that a woman can do that and she's okay and and she's an awesome mom and right. I get to love her and yeah it doesn't have anything amazing and then the other thing is I just really want whoever's listening I really want you to know that no matter what you've done there is nothing wrong with you mm. thank you so much for having this podcast and doing this work for women it's so important yeah thank you for being here and sharing your both your st personal story and your your wisdom yeah. and expertise yeah i really believe that we're breaking down the walls every time yeah. we talk about it we're breaking yeah. down the walls and we're getting a little cleaner yeah we're just cleaning sure. stuff up one little one podcast at a time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every time someone hits play it gets a little cleaner yeah yeah thank you Oh, so good. And um, I will, I'll post links, of course, to who you are, if people want to reach out. Do you have any boundaries around people reaching out in regards to abortion or coaching or? No, no. Okay. Just reach out and we'll go from there. Yeah. All right. Thank you so very much and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice 